on this week's episode of Unwritten. Wow, to Chase Utley going hard at second as the tying run scores. Oh, man. Flips to second base and a hard slide by Laurie. A takeout slide by Coglin. He went after Jung Ho, and Jung Ho got rolled over. Hello, and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and MLB. We're going behind baseball's secret rules. My name is Ron Darling, and with me is Jimmy Rollins. Today's rule, the hard slide. From Ty Cobb going spikes up to Bo Jackson breaking up a double play, and Hal McCray going shoulder first in the 1977 World Series. Sliding is one of those parts of the game where there's an actual rule in the rule book, and there's also an unwritten rule. We'll get into all of that, but first, Jimmy, what was your approach to sliding when you were on the base paths? For me, it was always you had to do what was necessary. If there's a situation, especially a big play in the game, as I'm coming into second base, my job is to disrupt, whether it's the shortstop or the second baseman, from making a good, accurate throw to the first baseman to break up the double play. Um, and you knew which guy stayed around the bag, um, which guys came off the bag. So you took all this information, and it was fun to have all these things go through your head and you're prepared that, hey, if it's a slow bouncer, I know I could get in deep. I'm going as deep as I can, but clean, because on the other side, I'm a shortstop also, so I want that same respect <laughs> from the other side. But if if it was early in the game and I know it was a you know, sharp hit, one, two hopper to the shortstop or second base when I wasn't getting in there, sometimes I would peel off, sometimes you slide early because they're going to throw the ball in a situation that says later on in the game, I want to make sure you know I will come and get you. So for me, it was just really dependent on the game, but later in the game, tight situation, I wanted to get as deep as I could and do my job to, you know, make him jump, leave his feet, flip him over, but make a bad throw to first base. You know, for our fans out there that are listening to the show for the first time, there is a rule about how you're supposed to slide. And I'll read some of it and paraphrase other, others. But when sliding into a base and attempt to break up a double play, a runner has to make a bona fide slide. Such is defined as the runner making contact with the ground before reaching the base. Being able to reach the base with a hand or foot being able to remain on the base at the completion of the slide except at home plate, and not changing his path for the purpose of initiating contact with a fielder. The slide rule prohibits runners from using a roll block, i.e. Hal McCray, <laughs> or attempting to initiate contact with a fielder by elevating and kicking his leg above the fielder's knee, throwing his arms or his upper body or grabbing the fielder. When a violation of this slide rule occurs, the offending runner and batter runner will be called out. So, Jimmy, I read you the rule, so there's a rule in there. Mm -hmm. When I played the game in the 70s and 80s and 90s, uh, that rule didn't really seem to apply to anyone. I, I found it very interesting how you addressed there are ways to slide, or there was a way to slide, let's say, mm -hmm. depending on how early it is in the game, what it means in the game, what's the score of the game, or how much that this play depends on us winning the game. That's how it should be. That's, that's, that's what baseball is. That's what every sport is, knowing the situation, what's important at that time. No one wants to see a play where it's, you know, the it, game doesn't mean anything, and you go and try to take someone out. That means the next day there's probably going to be something in retaliation against you or somebody that they choose to pick out on the team. So you have to know all these things and take it into consideration and if you weren't doing it, guess what? You you got to get talking to. Hey, we need you to get in there. I, I know you're the superstar, but in that situation, 
there's no such thing as a superstar when you're trying to win the game. So those rules, uh, obviously they're in black and white, they're on paper, it's official. Um, but the way they were always implemented, sometimes you'd ask yourself like, come on, man, that was, that, that was a little dirty or a little cheap or, Hey, you did that right. And I respect it. And that was something that I love, um, as a shortstop, I love when guys would come across the bag and here I am pulling off a Houdini and a disappearing trick and they look at you and they're just like, what happened? Like, I don't know, but I'm running off the field with that double play. So it made the game fun. Not that, you know, things aren't fun today and rules. I understand they change for a reason. We got to keep the players on the field, but I like the way it used to be. You had a chance to affect the game by sliding out of bag properly, depending on the situation. I would describe the unwritten rule of sliding is that I would love everything to be played out hard. I don't ever want to put myself in a position of injuring another player. I, I, I wouldn't want to target a player. I wouldn't want to uh, embarrass a player. I would just like to play the game in such a way that when the slide happens and whatever happens after the slide, he'll respect me as much as I respect him. I agree. And being a middle infielder, my take was always this. You can slide hard, you can try to come get me, but your butt has to hit the dirt. Hmm. Your cleats remain beneath my knees. Other than that, that is a dirty slide. Um, there are no shoulders. Um, you can ex you know, extend as far as you can with your legs. Don't grab me. It has happened. Uh, don't try to reach you know, the hand with one bag and then grab me and turn me uh, with your other hand. That's dirty. That's not a part of the game. But anything other than that, I respect the fact that you tried to come get me, that you did your job because you have to go into that dugout and answer questions if you don't. Uh, but as long as it's within, you know, the ethics of what is acceptable and it, you know, depends on your manager, depends on your team. Uh, for me, it was always those, those things. Did your butt hit the dirt? On top of that, did it hit the dirt in front of the bag? You know, people can say my butt hit the dirt, but you look the slide path and it's 10 feet beyond the bag. <laughs> Did it happen in front of the bag and were your cleats low? Other than that, I don't have any issues with anything else. One player gets to first base. You know it's going to be a double play ball. You're like, oh, sh Good question. Um, wow. There were, I, I can't say just one player, but I remember in particular... And maybe because it was a guy that I played alongside. Um, and that was Scott Rowland. And, you know, I know he loves me. I know I'm his buddy. But I do know we're wearing different uniforms now. <laughs> and I'm looking down, and he looks like Andre the Giant. <laughs> and I look like David trying to throw the ball over Goliath's head. <laughs> and he came in, and I swear, even when he's sliding, he was still four feet taller than I was. <laughs> and, you know, he slid straight through the bag, just, just as I talked about, butt in the dirt, cleats low, hands up like we're taught in the backfields. And he slid, and I, it seems like he slid 10 feet in front of the bag and went 30 feet beyond the bag because his momentum just carried him. 
And it was one of the situations where I know he's going to be clean, but I know he has a job to do. I know he know, knows that he has a job to do. And it doesn't matter, matter how much we like each other. His job is to do his job. And he slid in. I turned the double play and I looked at him and he was just kind of smiling at me. And that's what you like, that you you turned it. You knew I was coming. You did what you had to do to get out the way. But if you weren't getting out the way, you knew I was going to have to get you. And you respect each other and understand that. I hope you tell that message to your guys that when we're on, we're doing it the same exact way. You know, it's funny, Jimmy. I never pitched till I got to college. I always wanted to be the next Cal Ripken. Lack of talent took me out of that. But that's <laughs> what I always wanted to be. And when I was... You 13, ended up pretty good. Uh, I remember when I was 13 years old, um, I was playing American Legion ball. And in American Legion ball, there's kids that are 18, 19 that are in college, right? I couldn't really make the throw from shortstop to first base because it was the first time I was on a big diamond. So they put me at second base, uh-huh. which you were talking about before making that turn a little different than facing the runner. And I got taken out by this kid who was a 19-year-old former hockey player, the whole thing. And he took me out in such a way that I remember standing at second base and I was trying to hide it, but there were kind of (laughs) tears coming down my eyes because it hurt so bad. I remember I got to the dugout. My father said, you're not crying, are you? I said, no, no, I'm not crying. But I, it hurt that bad. So There's no crying that's what in baseball. Happen. There's, There's no, no crying, crying in baseball. There, there was crying that day. So one of the joys, Jimmy, I had from doing Mets games in 2006 and on was watching you and Chase Utley and Ryan Howard. Spectacular double play. I've always been fascinated by the guys up the middle in the infield. I think they, uh, you know, when they're real good, uh, it, it's like poetry in motion, to tell you the truth. And, and watching you and Chase over the years develop that kind of simpatico that uh, only happens with time and effort and uh, hard work and sweat and tears sometimes. <laughs> uh, it was a joy watching you guys. But one of the things that happened that we have to talk about is you and Chase are not on the Phillies anymore. You're on the Dodgers. And Chase was in an, uh, in an, an enviable place. Mm-hmm. I know how he played the game. I know how you played the game. He was a very hard-nosed player. And when, we was on the Do- when he was on the Dodgers against the Mets in 2015, he was on first base. And up the middle, gloved by Murphy. There's one, and they will not get the double play. Wow, did Chase Utley go in hard at second as the tying run scores. This is the play in the seventh inning of the ball game. Kike Hernandez comes in to score on a ball up the middle. Ruben Tejada down for a good five minutes. We know now that he has a fractured right fibula, but here's the play. If you want to ridicule Utley for this play, you need to change the rule. Chase Utley, good slide, dirty slide. It looked like a late slide to me. Looked like a dirty play. Walk us through that play. Knowing who was on first base, I already knew what Chase was thinking. Playing with him, being in a dugout with him, having the conversations, knowing it's like when you know when we're on the defensive side, hey, give me the ball fast because you know who the base runner is. I already knew what was going to happen. Tejada looked like a receiver coming over the middle, having his feet knocked out from under him by a defensive back. 
this goes back to teaching that young middle infielder how to protect themselves at the same time. So when you get to the point where you're in the big leagues, you know who the base runners are. You know who's coming in hard. You can call it dirty. You know who's coming in deep. You know who's coming in high, etc. The ball will tell you if you're able to turn this double play or not. And the ball was hit up the middle. Murphy makes a flip. It's high and off to the left. So Ruben is, you know, extending himself first and foremost to make the to make the play, which is catch the ball and then step on the back. Now, I'm seeing it happen. I see Chase is coming down and I'm like, this is perfect because Chase is going to bust this up. There's no way in the world they're turning this double play. Yeah. But the defensive side of me says, I'm stepping on the bag, knowing who's coming down and using that bag as a trampoline and getting out the way. And we're just not turning the double play. That the, the feed led to a point where I'm vulnerable. I can get hurt. There's nothing I can do. And, you know, I'm, I'm torn because, yes, I wanted the play to happen because I know how important that runner is on third. But um, at the same time, it's like, young man, pr you know, protect yourself. Like, you know, you have to know that it's going to happen. This is a play you used to see that happen a lot 30 years ago. Very rarely see it happen now. And, you know, Chase came in, slid late, um, which... You know, prior to that, it, it, it's always been against the rule, um, you can say, but it was never necessarily seen as dirty. Obviously, we had Hal McCray, who's come in, um, you know, a number of times, you know, to break up those double plays. So it was <laughs> kind of in that sense where he's sliding late at the back. And unfortunately, Ruben, you know, turned his back and was still trying to make the play uh, to turn the double play and uh, ended up with the broken leg. And it was just, you hate to see it happen, um, but understanding the intent was not to hurt Ruben. The intent was literally to break up the double play. And his feet got tangled underneath him. Chase came in um, a little later, than, and if you ask him admittedly, uh, then he wanted to, but it's happening so fast, and, you're tr and, and as a base runner, we need to understand this. You're watching the middle infielder to see where he's going so you can direct your slide towards him. And you're going to be close enough to the bag where you can get your hand on the bag. That was just the rule as it, as it was applied. If I can touch the bag, then I can go after the middle infielder and, and deviate from my lane a little bit. Um, so as it's happening, Chase is watching Ruben, you know, stretch out behind the bag. Now that's another step before he can really determine what needs to be done. And about time he realized what happened, you know, he's right underneath them and a broken leg later and a rule change later. Uh, here we are. This really is why the rule has kind of changed. Mm -hmm. And I know I was doing the game up in the booth for TBS and I was, was sitting next to Cal Ripken, uh, one of the greatest shortstops in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. And after that play happened, there were so many different takes on was it a good slide? What is it a bad slide? Was it the right slide? And, you know, and I, I, when I work in the booth, I try to take everything into consideration. It was a huge moment. I mean, a huge moment. Um, taking out Tejada was something that Chase had already thought about when he was on first base. He knew that that was an important thing for him to do. And the way it transpired and and Tejada turning his back on the base, which is something, you know, you're always taught not to do it. Tejada, kind of with his back 
to the play when it happened. It would be a hard collision anyway, but that's that's coming in, in my opinion, just to break up the double play. That was normal. People think that running from first to second as hard as you can um, puts you always in a perfect step to make the slide. And it has nothing to do with that. Sometimes you're changing your step three or four times before you get there. And I remember saying in the booth that um, I did not think it was dirty. I thought it was late. I did think it was late. Yep. But I didn't think it was dirty because of the situation and because of my own history of watching how important that play uh, could be uh, in the game. Up the middle, blocked by Murphy. There's one and they will not get the double play. Wow, did Chase Utley go in hard at second as the tie run score? You're taught is in that instance, you cannot let the shortstop turn two because it's the tying run. You know, a lot of these things you and I are going to be talking about are things that don't just come out of thin air. You know, in the 20s when Ty Cobb played and he was spikes up against everyone. If you read a lot of the stuff that happened in those days, reporters would report on Ty Cobb like he was a god, that the machismo he showed on the field to try to hurt people was something that was part of the game. And in fact, when Babe Ruth came along, a lot of reporters said they weren't in favor of this big chubby guy hitting a lot of home runs, real baseball, (laughs) was Ty Cobb baseball and trying to be mean. Now, there's a certain machismo, macho, about playing the game. And I think it's, uh, it's always been there. It always will be there. But there was a time when baseball, because of, I mean, I think because of the way guys are played, uh, sorry, paid, the way that there wasn't a lot of money to be made, so you had to make sure that you had to protect your place, um, that has kind of changed how rough the game has been. I agree. And there are still players today. Let's not, you know, uh, forget that that honor that time that that style of playing baseball. Um, it's limited in a lot of ways according to the rules, but the way they attack the game, the way they approach the game, uh, the way they see the game, they do it the way that I guess traditionalists, you know, see it. It is going out there, doing whatever it takes, doing the dirty work as they call it. Um, the little things which are never little, nothing's little in any sport. Uh, there are ways to win, there are ways to lose, and those are the little things, but they, they're big because they affect the win column or L column. Um, but there are guys that from today's generation, through my generation, through your generation, that could have played with guys like Ty Cobb because they just had that style about them that I'm going to play with a broken finger, a broken arm, whatever it takes until you actually physically pull me off the field and say, I can't play. But for, in my opinion, for the fans, uh, big contracts, a lot of TV, they want excitement. And those things aren't necessarily exciting unless a situation calls for it. Everybody, you know, we go back to the chicks dig the long ball days. You know, baseball needed some excitement. Now it happens all the time. And those, those, those things that I think as a purist, I grew up playing the game liking those things that happen that aren't really seen until it's apparent like, wow, that play affected this in some, um, in some manner. I enjoy that. But if you're at home, you probably want to see 99 and home runs and, and all the fun stuff, but not the stuff that I think really wins ball games. 
Now, these are guys I faced, so I might have a memory of this better than you, but the two slides or the two people I remember who were vicious in the way they went at the second base was Bill Madlock, who some people forget, three-time, maybe four-time batting champion, Cubs and the San Francisco Giants. He was built like a little bowling ball, too, which helped his uh, his, uh, (laughs) attempt at sliding at second base. The barrel slide. The barrel slide. But uh, Hal McRae, I know you're old enough to at least watch those uh, on YouTube or whatever. The slide in the 72 World Series against Dick Green uh, is is one of the most, seems like one of the most egregious slides of today's uh, 20-year-old saw that slide. Uh, someone would be calling nine one one to arrest Hal McRae, and then um, and then the other one uh, Hal was involved in was Willie Randolph. McRae knocked Randolph down, threw a rolling block on him, and while Randolph was on the ground, Patek scored from third base. Hal did what was in the rules uh, would have been illegal, and that was that barrel slide going in shoulder first. Obviously, Hal had to play football when he was a kid. But <laughs> right, right. W- what do you think kids today think about when they see a slide like that? They probably don't know what it is, and they probably <laughs> think it's uh, a form of street ball, you know, uh, playing baseball. But um, that's the generation of today that you, it's, and, and, and in my opinion, um, something that in Little League, that is what you did. If you play Babe Ruth, any youth baseball, you slid into the bag. And you weren't allowed to interfere with the um, fielder making a play. And when you have a guy, like I said, you always have to know who the runners are. You know who gets down early. You know who comes with the spikes. You know who's doing a barrel roll. You know who cares less about a bag man in a way because their whole intent is to get you and knock you out into left field um, or right field, uh, depending. Um, but I think they would say... The same way when I used to watch old football films and guys grabbing by the helmet and pulling you back by the back of your uh, jersey, like, man, this was ruthless. And you understood why there were so many injuries. Um, And not that we get those type of injuries in baseball, but the reaction is the same. Like, I can't believe this stuff really happened. Like, what were they thinking? Um, It's almost primitive. um, And and in my eyes, when I look at the old football footage, I'm saying, I would think that they would think the same thing, that this is a primitive sport and we've come so long and I'm so glad those things don't exist in today's ball game. But it was so much fun being able to show your athleticism and that no matter what you do, from my perspective, I'm going to make the play. It's your job to stop me and it's my job to get it done. Here's a controversial take. So you probably are around some young kids or just learning how to play the game. I am as well. Um, what happens to these young middle infielders in learning or knowing the street smarts are protecting themselves now that the rules are in place that they're never going to be involved in a collision? You can't rely on the rules to save you. I mean, they may make the automatic double play but that doesn't protect the knee or an ankle or a shoulder that you come down on. So regardless, if you're teaching a young middle infielder um, the rules about second base and how to maneuver around second base, first rule is protect yourself. Whether it's learning how to use the base or learning how to get clear out the way to clear yourself for a throw. Um, you never know. A guy, a base runner just just might have a brain fart. <laughs> 
and forget the slide. And you're sitting there like, what's going on? Yes, the, the double play is going to be automatic at that point, but you risk injury. So that would be my number one rule, regardless of, of, of what the rules state. You get the ball, you learn how to get out the way, you protect yourself. If you're a second baseman, learn how to use that bag. Step in front, step behind, step um, around it. If you're a shortstop, learn how to use the bag as, as a trampoline, as Ozzy used to do, disappear on a guy and make an awesome-looking play, or just clear out and give yourself a lane to throw the ball at first base. That was something I learned and made a lot of fun, but that should be rule number one. Baseball, you know, will protect you, but you have to protect yourself first and foremost. So, Jimmy, uh, I don't know if you're a, a fan of shifts or not a fan. No. I, I do know one thing. I, I love great infielders, and watching great infielders play their position uh, is one of the joys of watching the game. Uh, the shifts, um, to me, certainly are um, are a way to play it, uh, but it kind of hides the guy who's not very good at fielding his position. Um, do you think that that puts you in strange places as far as dealing with uh, runner sliding? Oh, it definitely does. Um, you grow up playing a position, and you're used to being on one side of the bag or the other. And as a middle infielder, you know, we do drills that, you know, we rotate sides from the shortstop side to the second uh, base side, but it's nothing that you really do in the game. Uh, but in today's game with all the shifts, um, receiving a ball coming from, for example, you know, you have a power left-handed hitter and you have a second baseman out in the right field, the third baseman's playing second. And, you know, you could be depending if you're giving up the entire left side on the second base side of the bag, a ball is hit to what is now the third baseman, and you're running at a weird angle that you've never practiced before, two second base bag, getting a throw from, you know, deep second base, and a runner is coming down at you, and you're facing this runner, you know, chest up with really um, nothing behind you to get momentum to take you out the way. So you're stepping on a bag, and you're just kind of flipping it over. And in that situation, a runner can make, what is a true slide by today's rule and still take you out because you really have no protection. So I think the shift has definitely uh, put guys in vulnerable positions or different positions and, and trying to turn double plays, having a third baseman trying to turn a double play, which more than likely they haven't done since high school because everybody seems to play shortstop in high school. Um, they're just not used to it. And if, you, if it's something you haven't done, you forget sometimes that you, you're supposed to get out the way. You don't just stand in the fire and let a guy hit you. That's how, you know, injuries occur. Um, but the shift, I, I do agree. And as athletic and as good as I thought I was, when I had to run from the second base side to get to that bag to receive a throw from the second baseman, it just felt all sort of backwards. You're so right, Jimmy. When, when I think about it, ball players are... are, are taught in a rote way, right? From six years old, you're taught how to get a ground ball. You're taught where to play. You're, you're taught from the second the ball is delivered by the pitcher, if it's hit to me, what do I do? And sometimes when you can't answer those questions, you feel like you're in a bad place. So. <laughs> Good hard slide there by An Andrew McCutcheon. We don't see that a lot in the game anymore. As we move forward, do you think that all of these rules that have changed, will we, uh, will base runners, I mean, they slide different, Jimmy, now than I remember when we used to get on those those crazy pants, remember? Yes. You go in the backfields, 
<laughs> and they put the and pads slide out on the stuff. grass uh, yep. and learn how to do the fadeaway slide, the pop-up slide, and all those kind of slides. And today's game is really, um, there's a lot of different slides uh, that players use uh, that have nothing to do with the slides I remember being taught. Ron, have you noticed that a lot of guys don't even know how to slide or <laughs> when to slide? They're sliding head first and chin hitting the dirt and arms behind them as they're laying on the back. I'm not sure if it's taught anymore that you put on those oversized pants and you take your cleats off so you don't get caught and you practice sliding. It was always, you know, for us, um, learning how to slide in second base, hands up just to distract the plate. That was the slide. Anything other than that was, was being creative. I'm a base stiller, so I grew up watching Ricky Henderson. I learned how to slide head first, um, but also learned how to avoid tags with my slides. But I'm not sure if, if that's really a part of today's game because base stealing is something that isn't there. You can't go take out runners. So why even teach something, I guess, that unless you're just, you know, sliding to a base to beat a play out on a throw from the outfielder that you're really going to use? You know, I remember the day, uh, I don't know if you guys used to do this, but when you used to uh, take those slides in the backfield, everyone would put a batting glove in each hand. So you'd grip it real tight to make sure that your thumbs wouldn't hit and hurt your hands. Now we have the oven mitts, which I think personally, because I always wanted to look kind of cool on the field, the oven mitt can't look cool. I mean, there's no way, there's no way uh, after a game you're getting a date because uh, she saw you with the oven mitt. I'm telling you that right now. That has absolutely not happened. Not at all. And for me, I used <laughs> to, uh, you know, keep gloves on my hands. I always kept two, you know, a pair of gloves in my back pocket. And everybody thought I was trying to be cool. It did look cool because I'm a cool cat. <laughs> Let's just keep that one on it. But it was really for when I got on base that I would put the gloves on because I was a base dealer and sliding in a second and hitting head first. I didn't want to walk away, walk away with all those scratches on my hands. So, you know, I, I kept them on to keep my hands soft. So, you know, I'm trying to keep them soft for you, baby. <laughs> here's, here's an unwritten rule for our show here. So someone drills you, Jimmy, and you know it's intentional. And it's happened. There used to be a retaliation that you runners would occasionally say, you know what, that shortstop or second baseman is going to be in center field at some point. Always. Um, but that was my mentality when I was on. I was a little dude, so if I hit them, they're probably not leaving the infield. They're probably going to be stuck right at the bag and looking at me like, good try, little man. But there were certainly times um, where for some reason or another, I just didn't like a guy or I don't like the way he slid into, um, you know, at the time it could be Chase or Marlon Anderson or whoever was playing second that, that day. I don't like that. And you know what? If I get on first base and there's a chance, and a lot of some, it's, it's funny because sometimes you hope for a ground ball to be hit rather than a hit because you want to try to get this to happen. I'm going to take this into my own hands. Um, it rarely happened um, because I was small, but we had guys, for, for example, like Scott Rowland, that when he came in, Here's a 6'4", 6'5", 230-pound man coming in hard. It's going to be clean, but you know it's going to be hard. And he would literally obliterate you if he had given an opportunity because of the situation. So uh, for me, I, as like I said, on the other side, I enjoyed it. I wanted the big guys coming in so I could drop angle and try to, you know, hit them in their helmets. But Unfortunately, I never had the opportunity to really just get somebody good. I may have flipped a couple guys, but not really just hit somebody out where I was satisfied. So I'm still searching for that. <laughs> okay, what, one one more unwritten rule. I don't even know if it's an unwritten rule. I always thought maybe it was. I watch a lot of hockey, 
So one thing that cannot happen in hockey is that the player cannot hit the goalie. Do not touch the goalie. You can't hit him. You can't run across and knock him over. So you're on third base. It's a pass ball. Catcher's going to get it. There's going to be a play at home. That's a tough slide because that pitcher usually is in a place where he's very, very vulnerable at home. Um, definitely. I would always, and I, and I hope most runners um, would do the same, and that's to choose a side of the plate. You know, if the ball's kicked off, you know, to the first base side, you're usually going to choose the outside of the plate and for the right-handed batter's box because the throw is going to come and it's going to be a long tag for the pitcher and you're hopefully avoiding his, his, his legs. Um, you know, we saw with Shohei Otani uh, where he covered the plate and, and he, he was taken out. Fortunately, he was um, okay. And opposite, if the ball kicks away to the third base side, I'm sliding as far away from the play as I can. That would be up the first baseline. And usually, usually hand first because I know that the pitcher will be in a vulnerable position. And the last thing you want to do is get a pitcher hurt because if it happens on the other side and your pitcher's covering, you would hope that just out of courtesy, um, yes, the run may mean something. The run might win the game, but the health of the player ultimately is what's most important. And you want to try to be safe more than anything. It isn't, you know, trying to blow the pitcher up. It's really trying to be safe. So that's how I would approach it. Um, and with today's game, you have to give a lane anyway. So choose a side and, and stay clear of any ankles and knees. So, Jimmy, we, we read the rule earlier in this podcast, and, and now you've done a great job of kind of defining uh, the unwritten rule and how you play the game. If you had to go through the rule book, because now you're, you're not supposed to get into the infielder, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's the rule. You cannot get in there. Um, do we need that rule? Uh, should we have that rule? Or if you were thinking of how to write the rule to protect middle infielders, but also play the game and allow sliding in the game to affect the game when it has to, Mm -hmm. what's your thoughts on that? I think that rule should be reworked. I think that uh, going back to as long as the runner is within arm's reach, meaning the runner can legitimately touch the bag with a body part, whether it be the tip of his cleat or the tip of his finger, he should he should be allowed that lane to slide in. Whether he goes inside, which is which is the uh, third base side, outside, which is the second base or center field side, he should be able to determine which way he goes depending on which way the uh, infielder steps on the bag or not. There maybe need to be a sliding lane where maybe there's a mark on the field or, you know, you could do something in the grass that anything, any slide that starts beyond this point is considered illegal. And the runners, you know, are taught what that is and learn how to slide accordingly. Um, cleats down, um, no grabbing, which is something I talked about uh, earlier, but you should be able to somehow affect the guy's throw, at least make him jump. Worst case scenario is to make him jump, but having to slide directly into the bag as to not interfere with the play, I think that should and can be reworked 
so that the runner has a chance to at least make an impact. Will it happen? Maybe, maybe not. But you give the runner that freedom to at least have a chance to make an impact on a play, especially late in the game when it can make a difference between a win or a loss. You know, old beliefs are sometimes are like fences, you know? Um, we feel like old beliefs might keep us safe. But like fences, if you look at it the other way, sometimes they cage you in. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what this whole show about unwritten rules is all about, is just to look at the things that have been here forever and which ones should stay, which ones shouldn't, and just trying to interpret their history and their place in the game. I love it. I love diving into things that aren't so obvious and things that people think they should know but don't know why they should know them. Well, that's the great Jimmy Rollins. I'm Ron Darling, and we're just so happy to be here to talk to you every week about Unwritten Rules. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.